0: Right, welcome everyone to Fazliff's podcast episode 29. Um, right, been a while since I've been on. Uh, life's just gotten really busy, um, in a good way, but definitely very busy. Um, <clears throat> and I think when you're doing the podcast, for me at least anyway, it's I need to be in the right mood for it, I need to be in a sort of a creative mood. It's not something that I can do just as a errand or a mundane task. I have to be able to sit down and kind of... Clear my mind and and get in that nice sort of sort of let my creative juices flow and, and get into the rhythm thing. So, we're here on a Sunday night. <laughs> this is actually the second time I'm recording this. I forgot to hit record the first time, <laughs> which is which sucks. But there you go. Um, so I've got about seven questions. Um, so let's get started. So this is a message from a question from Dan Sucks, who's a friend of mine. Hey Dan, how's it going? Thank you for the question. Um mental differences in physique, sports training, and performance training. Dan's asked a few questions um related to this because like me, he used to be a powerlifter. I'm not sure if he ever competed or not, but he certainly was um training in in that way. Uh, we've had a lot of talks about piloting over the over the years that I've known him. Uh, and currently he's much more into physique, but kind of just more into health. Um so he's had a bit of a a a transition and evolution of his own training. So with regards to the question, what are the mental differences? Hmm. I thought long about this, long and hard about this before I answered. And I would say for me, the mental differences are very minimal. Now, I'll tell you a little story. When I, when I um, eventually quit powerlifting, which is probably five years ago now, I think, I can't remember when the last competition was, but certainly when I stopped actively training for power was probably about five years ago, I think. Um, I went through a period of time where I was still coaching clients, you know, strength clients, and they were doing pretty well, and they were competing, and, and that was great. Um, sorry, just having a swig of tea. Um, and that was fun, like, that was good to see my clients do well. But when I decided to do a bodybuilding competition last year, effectively kind of coming out of sporting retirement, it felt great. Like I loved it. I loved getting back to competition. And I realized it it wasn't ever powerlifting or strongman per se. It was competition that I like. Something about me is drawn to competition. Um, so when I did my first competition when I was 18 years old, my first strongman competition it was, um, I wouldn't have kept coming back if I if something in me didn't click and say you need to do this. I wouldn't have kept coming back for those fifteen years, those numerous competitions, and all that kind of stuff. I just wouldn't have because it it just wouldn't have been in me. So there's something in me that needs to compete. So when I approach bodybuilding now, it's with the same mentality that I approach powerlifting. And um, my approach to powerlifting was always, and I'm not I'm not saying this to kind of try and big myself over anything but my approach to powerlifting was always I want to destroy the competition that was my whole thing like that's how I wanted to go about it Um, and that was what I mentally needed from competition other people will go to competition and they want to just enjoy themselves and have a good time with their colleagues their powerlifting colleagues their strongman colleagues their bodybuilding colleagues they they think of it like a sporting family and that's cool as well that's fine that's what they need from that situation and I'm not judging anyone in any way for what they need. You know, People will, will honestly say you know, that they're there and they just want to compete and be on stage and have a good time, that's great. That's, I, I believe him 100% and that's fine. Um, <clears throat> but that, that was never me. And there's no, there's no I don't want this to come across as being better or worse, it's not that sort of situation. You, you get from competition what you want to get from a competition. You take from it what you need, like mentally what you need to fill your gap in your head. And my gap was I. I was always competitive. I am. I am competitive, particularly in the sporting sense. Um, and so that's what I need from competition is I need to feel that, um, and I need to, that's where my focus is. So when I start prep in five months, um, that's what my mentality will be. I will be going in to win, um, and because that's what my mind responds to that's what i need to take from competition so whether that's strongman whether that's powerlifting whether it's bodybuilding i've done all three now it's the same it's i approach it with the same mentality because me for the way i'm wired that's what i need to do to get the most enjoyment out of it it wouldn't be fun for me to just compete for the sake of um my bodybuilding family or whatever that just it's not enough for me to do that i want to compete just to demolish the competition, that's my goal. So in terms of mental differences, not a great deal. Your your task in in bodybuilding or or powerlifting is still your task, like whether it's getting through a training block, whether it's getting through a diet, how you approach that mentality, that's really down to the individual. How do you deal with that? What's your coping mechanism? When things get really, really hard, and you know, they do. If if you're pushing yourself, like stuff gets hard. prep is hard, you know, particularly your first prep, particularly if you've been more on the heavier side, it gets really fucking hard. What is your coping mechanism for that? Do you cope by focusing on the positives, how you're looking, blah, blah? Do you focus on the task or do you focus on that sort of inner, like energy and passion, which says you need to do this because your competitor is doing it and they're doing it 10 times better. So don't be a pussy, you know. So you approach it however your mentality dictates that you approach it. There's no better or worse, because at the end of the day, you will get from competition what you want to get. I hope I hope this is coming across well. Like every really majorly good competitor, um, whether that's Michael Jordan or whoever else, they've all they've all excelled in their field because they've had that killer instinct. And so they've gotten from the game what they want to get. Now, if Michael Jordan was massively talented the way he is, but he only really wanted to play because he he just loved basketball and he just loved to play, then he might not have been the athlete that we remember him as. Not only did he love to play, but he loved to demolish the opposition. And that's what what made him the phenom that he is. Um, So you get out from competition what you want to get out. And if you want to get out just having a good time and being part of your bodybuilding family, that's great. Like there's literally, there's no judgment on that at all. Like that's fantastic. So, um, yeah, in terms of the mental differences, it's, really, it's not about the sport. It's about the individual. Uh, and at the end of the day, as I say, you will, you'll get out from it what you want to get out from it. It'll plug whatever gap needs to be plugged. Uh, sport is a nice way of doing that. Okay, next question is from Jacob Delota. Hi, how much you charge for coaching, and what does it include? So, I did contact Jacob um, via DM, and I gave him gave him an answer. In general, these days, if somebody asks for coaching, what I do is I point them to the direction of my website, because that's pr- a pretty good shit test of how serious they are. So, a lot of, I, I I wasted a lot of time early on when I was coaching for people who were inquiring about coaching but weren't really that serious and. I would have conversations which last for an hour <laughs> and have nothing to show for it. You know, I've even driven to like a coffee shop to talk with it, with someone do like an hour consultation and it's led nowhere, you know, not even a thank you. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, which is like fine. I mean, sometimes it's just not in the cards. There are life circumstances change or whatever. Um, so it's no judgment for me, but the, the best thing that I do, the best thing I can do for that these days to make sure that I'm not wasting my time is to say, I've put all the information on my website, which I have. There's far, there's far more detail on my coaching section in my website than you could get from a conversation on, on Instagram DM with me. So that's what I do. I direct people to the website. Now <clears throat> it it if they've if they're serious enough to go through that very minor step of clicking on the website link, going to coaching, reading it, then you know they're probably going to be a good fit. If they can't even do that, they're not going to be a good fit for. For coaching, not certainly not the level that I expect. And my, any of my clients will tell you, like I have very high expectations um, for their performance and, and you know the way the way we communicate. So um, if they can't do that, then it's a pretty good shit test to say they're they're not going to be a good fit anyway. So yeah, that's that's basically. If you want to know more about my coaching, feel free to go onto the website, click on coaching. Everything is listed in full detail there, including an application form which sends you which gets sent directly to my email. Um, so yeah, happy for that. And you know, the, there is there have been occasions where I've turned people down for coaching because we're just not going to be a good fit. Like they don't need need somebody who's more of a one to one coach. So nowadays, I I'm not in a position where I need to like have everybody on the books. You know, it's I want I I'm really after people who are going to be a good fit, who the online coaching is going to be good for. So uh, you know, and typically those people will have enough patience to you know read <laughs> a few paragraphs. Um, <clears throat> so yeah but yeah but a lot of times the conversation that i have after they've read that and they go through the initial consultation will be on looking at actually what the client needs and sometimes they don't need me sometimes they need something more basic um, so if they're a ranked beginner um, then i may direct them to and they let's say they're derby based i may direct them to a pt that i know so there are a couple of pts that i know who i would trust to do a good job um, so i would direct them to them uh, or you know, give them whatever the help they need. So it's much more a case of evaluating what the client needs these days. Um, so that's that's to the part of the question where where he says, "What does it involve?" So, uh, but yeah, in terms of you know what what I do with my with my online clients, yeah, I, I take care of pretty much every aspect. This is why I get such good results because I'm I I delve into the nitty gritty of lifestyle, diet, training, rest, recuperation. all all factors relating to performance. Um, So yeah, hopefully that answers the question and gives you a bit more information about about my process. Okay, next question. This is from disgruntled underscore one. It's my buddy, Cade. Thanks for the question. Um, Are you still doing higher protein? And any conclusions from it at this point, including satiety? Um, I'm not actually doing the higher protein right now. I went through a bit of a sort of a maintenance period where, as I said, life got quite busy and I wasn't really looking at actively gaining any weight, but I am back on the bulk now. And I've not raised my protein. I've basically just been attempting to get a good meal schedule going. Uh, Personally, I really, really enjoyed the high protein. It felt very productive. My digestion felt great on it, like having a greater proportion of calories from protein as opposed to carbohydrates. My digestion felt fantastic. Um, Was it better for muscle growth or not? Honestly, I couldn't say. I'm still progressing in the gym at a very fast rate. Right now, I'm progressing in the gym just as well as I was progressing before. So I I couldn't say. It felt good, it felt productive. How necessary was it? I don't know. But um, I'm still open to experimentation on that. Perhaps higher protein when I'm a lot leaner might make more of a difference. So I'm gonna be starting prep in about 25 weeks. Yes, I do have a countdown app. I'm going to start prepping about 25 weeks, and I probably am going to set up with fairly high protein, um, probably closer to about 3 grams per kilo. Uh, Also going to set up with about – I'm probably going to start with about 500 grams of carbs and as low low fat as I can stand. So that's pretty much where I'm going to start my prep. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit more attentive to macros this time. I've already started to think about it. So – yeah, I I probably will go back to that. I, I suspect it'll make more of a difference in that situation as I get leaner. Um, right now, I'm progressing in the gym in a very very good rate. Everything's getting stronger in the right rep ranges. I'm able to handle the volume. So, yeah, I just I've just not got back to it. Um, I'm still open to the possibility that it's very useful, but it's not making it hasn't made enough of an impact for me to bother with it a second time. So just my, just, just my honest um, thoughts on it, so there we go. Right, that's the first three out of the way. Let's, I put up another Q&A recently, let's have a look at these, the last three. Okay, so when you think you may have plateaued, what do you suggest? This is from Ravi Suta, who's a new um, follower. Thank you, Ravi, for the question, welcome. Um, so I'm gonna, it's quite a broad question. Um, which is no uh, dig at Ravi. It's just, the, obviously, it's a very short space to write. But let's, we, don't really, you know, we don't really know what the goals are. So let's assume that the goal is fat loss because most a lot of people that come to me, yeah, they come for fat loss. Um, so let's say the goal is fat loss. And if you hear it's a pattern, what do you do? So I would look at my big three pillars. Okay. So the first one would be check your calories. Okay. It, it is all about calories in versus calories out. People have tried and failed to state that it's not about calories, it's about like hormones or toxins or clean foods or whatever else, Um, but they're wrong and they've been proven wrong successfully time and time again. It is all about calories in versus calories out. That's not too simple, it's not too basic, it works. If you have a cat or a dog that's overweight, you don't sign them up to Herbalife and put them in spin class, you reduce their portions and take them for a walk. So, we are no different. It's just that humans uh, are prone to, well, emotion, an emotional responses to information. Uh, and also, as I've learned recently, a lot of people are just fucking stupid. So, you know, there's, there's also that as well. Uh, so, yeah, it's definitely calories in versus calories out. Um, so, I'd check that first of all. Then I'd also check, so I'd check, you know, if you're, if you're in a calorie deficit, I'd also check the accuracy of of your calories. So, <clears throat> for example, if I have a guy who's, say, 14 stone and he insists that he's eating nothing but 1,200 calories every day, there's a problem there, you know? And the problem is probably not that he's a genetic anomaly. The problem is probably that he's not tracking right. You know, just, just law of averages, you know, Occam's razor, simplest solution. Are you a genetic one-in-a-billion anomaly? Or have you just done something wrong with your tracking? Let's be humble about this. Let's be realistic. Probably just fucked up your tracking. Yeah. So that's the first thing i do is check to see if they're tracking calories, make sure they're in a deficit and then make sure they're accurate within that deficit. So that's kind of like a three part thing. Next thing is to make sure they're, they're engaged in a sensible weightlifting, a bodybuilding routine, weightlifting routine, sensible weightlifting routine. I don't want to, I'm not, <coughs> I've said many times, I'm not a big fan of Spain classes and, All that kind of stuff. I'm not enough. I've stated my reasons for that many times, so I'm not going to repeat them here. But just a sensible weight training routine where you're covering the entire body. (coughs) Um, Are they doing that, you know, three times a week minimum? And finally, are they staying active? Um, So the best gauge for staying active is steps. It's a good gauge. It's not 100% accurate, but it's a good gauge. Now, if your Fitbit or your Apple Watch says you're doing 3,000 steps a day, you're going to find fat loss a lot harder. If your Fitbit or Apple Watch says you're doing 15,000 steps a day, you're going to find fat loss a lot easier. People talk about genetics all the time. People talk about um, being gifted in certain ways of fat loss and all that. kind of stuff. I promise you, if you're one of the people who are consistently having about 6,000, 5,000, 4,000 steps per day, and moaning about your fat loss genetics and how how hard you find it, if you start doing 15,000 steps per day, I promise you, (laughs) your genetics will all of a sudden get a lot better. (laughs) Funny how that works, isn't it? So I would make sure they're active because that's a big thing. Activity is king. Uh, And again, it's not about doing exhausting cardio classes. Forget all that. Just be active. When you're at work, at your lunch break, take a 10-minute walk. Take a 10-minute stroll at another point in the day. Try and fit in a walk in the evenings. Nobody's that busy, okay? Everyone's got time to do that. So try and get in some activity. Walk. Find some ways to walk when you – if you have an office job, find some ways to walk in the office as well. Like find a way to do that. You know, you can either add walks in in your own time or you can add walks in during, during your day. Try and find some way where you can actually be active during the day. And again, I'm not talking about doing jumping jacks in the middle of your office so your, your boss says, what the hell? <clears throat> I'm simply talking about making sure you don't spend or literally all day in your seat and on top of that, you're snacking. You know, That's a bad combination. So yeah, if you've covered those three, that's typically where I'd start and that pretty much solves the problem for most people. If that doesn't solve the problem, it's usually something I need to de- dig into deeper which relates to habits and tracking. But generally, that will fix it. I've not come across anybody where that hasn't worked. So there you go. All right. Next question. This is from <laughs> this is from my my buddy Jazz. On a scale of one to strong, how strong is a hundred and ten kilo decline bench? <laughs> this is a this is a running joke between me and Jazz years ago now when we used to train at Function Gym. Anyway, Jazz had a friend of his who's like a mutual friend of ours, and this mutual friend was trying to. Um, so I think he was initially trying to tell Jazz like he could beat him up. And not many people know this about Jazz unless you're friends with him on Facebook, but he he used to be a pretty mean, I think, Muay Thai kickboxer or something like that. I've seen him like on his fights and his videos. He, he, it looks uh, pretty impressive. So, you know, he's pretty lethal. Um, and this, this guy was trying to just say how he could you know beat him up. And Jazz was like, no, I don't think that's going to happen so then he started to try and convince jazz how strong he was and he told jazz look i bench uh, this was like he was bragging about this he said oh i bench 110 kilo on the decline bench like and he put that out there as a statement of how impressive it is (laughs) i remember the first time i heard this i was in tears like how how could a grown man be be you know think that's good but think it not only think it's good but think it's good to the point where they they think it's bragging rights <laughs> i thought it's hilarious but that's where the that's where that comes from so to answer your question jazz on a scale of 1 to strong i'm going to say it's a 1 buddy uh, and i think you'll agree all right final uh, not final sixth question from renzo tan do you think splendor <clears throat> or equal has calories even if it says zero calorie on the label yeah about that I, i'm pretty sure that splendor or equivalence look this up actually yeah i'm pretty sure the splendor doesn't actually say it's zero calories and because they're not they're not zero calories they're they're just like they're sugar substitutes you know they've been around for decades the sugar substitutes like, like whatever um like whatever they they call whatever the the chemical name is, but no one ever states that they're zero calories. they are just really, 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 really low calories. They're like reduced by about a hundred times. So there's still calories in them. It's like, I I literally, I just looked up Splendor now, Splendor calories, did a search for it. And it's, it clearly states here there's 3.36 calories in, I don't know. I don't know what the measurement is, but, um, I don't think they ever say there's zero calories necessarily. Um, or well, they shouldn't do at least, they always have some calories in them. Now, this guy who asked the question, hes in, he looks like he's in great shape from his um, profile picture. So it, I i imagine he's probably not taking this too seriously. But yeah, it's, it's not something that I would I would necessarily take too seriously, at the calories in Splendor. They're so trivial that they're not even really worth thinking about. So I believe that's 3.36 calories per 100 grams. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but... So something like that. So it's a very, very minuscule amount of calories. It's not something that anybody needs to be concerned about. Um, So to answer the question, if they say they're zero calories, they're being uh, dishonest. There are definitely calories in them. Um, Should you be concerned about it? No, absolutely not. not. Okay, the final question didn't come up in my Q&As, but I've been asked it by about four different clients and also um but I thought of it and also on a forum as well it's and I, I didn't even want, I didn't even want to do this question because everybody's had their opinion about it but I have been asked about it a few times so I'm going to give my opinion on it um it's to do with the game Changers documentary of course <clears throat> so what do I think of the game Changers documentary uh well firstly I want to I want to just state that I'm talking about this from a strictly performance standpoint, okay? Ethical, moral, all that kind of stuff, I have no interest in engaging in that discussion because that's, your morals are your own, okay? Your ethics are your own. That's not for me to judge. As long as you're not hurting anybody, you you crack on, okay? Now, the Game Changers documentary attempted to make the case that vegan diet, plant-based diet, was better for performance and they give a very, very misleading account uh, based on some athletes uh, who, who were part of the show. What I will say is that consistently, every single one of those athletes who was part of the show, their performance actually decreased after they went on a plant-based diet rather than increased. I think it was like one anomaly, but for the most part, performance decreased. You're also gonna get, so that, that's a pretty big nail in the coffin for the plant-based diet. Like they, they, they weren't vegan, they did all this cool stuff, then they were vegan, and their performance dropped off. So now they're saying, look at me, I'm vegan with all these trophies. Hey, come on, that's that's dishonest, right? Um, the other thing is you, you're gonna get um, vegan bodybuilders and, and strongmen who've come out of the woodwork at the moment who've been saying, yeah, I'm vegan, blah, blah, blah. Cool, fantastic. Um, drugs allow you to do some cool shit is my answer to that. So um, is your performance decreasing? No. Um, how many grams of gear you want? You know, that's got to think about that as well. That's, that's also a part of it. Um, <clears throat> so that particular demographic of sports performance, I'm not so sure um, we can really take a great deal from that. Um, but, yeah, just, just to speak in generalities about this, because I, I think th- any sensible person knows that from a performance standpoint, like, it just didn't add up. The documentary didn't add up. It was talking specifically about people who have already done the majority of their good sporting achievements, eating meat, and afterwards they went plant-based. So that is just, that's not even a point up for debate at the moment. But but let's just look at the broader issue here. You've got so many people looking to change their diets. Based on what? Based on a documentary and probably a Google search or two. That's what they're changing their diets on. And it's not like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to try and eat more fruit. I'm gonna try and eat more veg. It's like changing your entire fundamental approach to your diet based on one documentary and a Google search. Can you just stop and think for a second? Have you been brainwashed? Are you a victim of propaganda? Are you making a mistake here? Just stop and think about that for a second. You know, a a grown man, grown woman, 30 years of age, it's just dismissing their entire adult life of eating based on a documentary. That doesn't seem wise, and this is this is a documentary which is full of vegan propaganda. It doesn't seem sensible. That that's all. I, that's just a point I want to make. And a lot of times, I don't know. Maybe it should be getting older, <laughs> whatever. I do think people just stopped and thought about what they were doing logically, I I see people at the gym all the time just doing all kinds of manner of inane stuff and I just think, why don't you just stop and just think about what you're doing for a second. Okay, that could be a whole nother rant about stupid stuff I see in the gym. But um, just stop and think for a second. You you watched a documentary which is obviously biased. It's obviously designed to evoke a reaction, which a lot of vegan propaganda is by the way, it's very inflammatory. Um, And that's now made you rethink your entire diet and way of eating. The amount of people who I've heard on Facebook, or whatever, say, oh, I'm thinking about giving it a try. It's like, why? Why? You've just, is, is that the extent of your intelligence? It's like, is that the extent of your ability to discern good information from bad? Is that the extent of your, 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 of your intellect as a whole? Like, I can be swayed by one documentary. That boggles my mind to change something so fundamental about who you are and what you do is is how you eat. To change that based on one documentary, it's just, it, it, it's just, it's, it blows my mind that people would even entertain that as an option um, without doing some serious research into this. Uh, And by serious research, I don't mean like, you know, David Wolf websites. I mean actual PubMed research and the research just to save you guys um, some, some research. It's not favorable. It is not favorable. But um, yeah, I guess, so to, to answer the question, um, what do I think about it? I think it's heavily filled with propaganda. Um, I don't have an issue with ethically or morally. Um, if they're trying to make the case that performance will be better as a vegan, they're just playing wrong, and the reality is not on their side, okay? Um, and I would also make the wider point that if you're changing fundamental views on well, you're changing your views on 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 topics which are very fundamental to you as a human being such as the way you eat and what the hell let's expand it out to other things your political bias okay your your political stance parties you vote for if you're changing that based on one documentary which has an agenda you need to have a word for yourself like that's really really that's just, just really low IQ stuff there. You know, you need to have a serious word of yourself and ask yourself what you're playing at because that that's, that's not any way to conduct yourself. So there you go. That is my uh, answer to that. Uh, so that is seven questions done and dusted. Yeah, I'm going to try and knock out a few more of these uh, before the end of the year. We're on episode 29. I do have Alex to come back on from Team uh, Metal Athletics. But yeah, I started this right at the beginning of the year. So to to get done, to get have to have about thirty done over the course of the year is pretty good. But I'll try and nudge it up to about forty before the end of the year. So that means it's almost one per week, which I think is pretty cool. So it's not a bad start for the podcast. Right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Speak to you soon.